This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello, and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're doing a, another seafood related episode. It's about a crustacean. It is. The crawfish. And I, I have a theme song I'm going to hum, and I want you to try and guess what it is, and I think you'll, you'll be able to do it. Okay. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Jurassic Park! Yay! <laughs> I hope you all got it. I know my humming is, uh, well, some have said it's off-key. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this episode made me think so much of Jurassic Park, and it's finally time to talk about cloning. Cloning? Yes, because life finds a way, and let's hope this isn't an attack of the clone situation. Oh, hopefully not. We've talked, I mean, you've talked about cloning before with with Clone Annie. You know about Clone Annie? I I mean, I listened to the episode. (gasps) Oh, no. I mean, she disappeared before I got into the studio. But she totally exists. Um, I... I don't know. I haven't seen her in a while. Yeah? I'm, I'm hoping she'll check in soon. I hope she's not causing any mayhem. Well, <laughs> that's all I can say. <laughs> I was going to say that she should she should send in some, like, some, like, correspondent, like, reporting. But if it's mayhem-y correspondent reporting, I'm not sure if that's—we can talk about it later. Anyway, <laughs> uh, crawfish. 
Let's talk about some etymology. Yeah, because <laughs> because the the term, if you if you Google it, um, the, the more proper term is crayfish, which I was surprised to learn. <laughs> crawfish is a southern thing, right? Uh, also, also crawdad. Yes. Um, so you got crawfish, crayfish, and crawdad, and. They're the same thing, mm-hmm. okay? In southern parts of the U.S., you are more likely to hear crawfish. In the north, crayfish. Crawdad is more of a term they use in the western states and particularly Oklahoma, Kansas, and Arkansas. Apparently, in the Mississippi Delta, some folks call them mud bugs, which <laughs> sounds so appetizing. Uh, etymology note, although crawfish live in the water, they are crustaceans, not fish, and the fish in their name, does not come from the root word of fish, but rather from a mispronunciation of the old Anglo-French word for the animal, uh, crevice. Crevice has its roots in German words for crab, and at some point in the 1500s, enough folks misheard and mispronounced crevice as crayfish in English that the word stuck. I'm probably not quite pronouncing it as parallel as I should be, but if you say it over and over again, <laughs> like I did quietly to myself at my desk the other day, uh, you'll you'll start to see it. Yeah. Okay. And eventually, um, crayfish branched into crawfish over the next century or so in different areas. But yeah, around the world, there's lots of different words for the things. Right. Um, a, a yabby or a cora in Australia, um, and folks who keep them as pets in Singapore call them freshwater lobsters. Fair enough. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I have a friend that has a crawfish boil every year in the spring, and it's lovely. Oh, I love a crawfish boil. If you've never been to one, it's usually an outdoor event where you gather your friends, your family. You boil huge pots of crawfish, with usually with corn, potatoes, sausage, and some spices and seasonings, and dump the finished product onto newspaper-covered tables, usually the fold-away kind, and you feast away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but... This is another food that I struggle very much with eating. Oh, they don't want to be. I mean, they're they resist it. They they very much do. Usually, when at this crawfish boil event, I I eat far more sausage and potatoes oh, yeah. <laughs> than to crawfish. Yeah, um, but local Atlanta restaurant shout out to Crawfish Shack Seafood. Yes. According to their website, we receive shipments of fresh crawfish daily. And there's an article in the New York Times that mentions them called Vietnamese Immigrants Carry on a Cajun Food Tradition because it's kind of a fusion. Yeah, it's it's run by a, a Vietnamese family. Mm-hmm. And they also have some Korean items on the menu. Mm-hmm. And Atlanta, seriously, Crawfish Shack is so good. Yeah. Go to there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on Buford Highway inside the perimeter between like Chambly Tucker and Claremont, kind of right over by the CDC. Seriously, it's a tiny hole in the wall, and it's so good. Yeah, I spent many a late night. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I lived, when I lived closer to there, it was oh, it was dangerous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. All of that aside, crawfish. What is it? Crawfish look like wee little lobsters, about three to six inches long. That's like eight to fifteen centimeters. Although some species can get bigger. They are, as we've said, crustaceans, meaning that they're animals that don't have an interior skeletal system, but rather an exoskeleton. You know, like uh, like like bugs or like Ripley in the movie Aliens. Hmm. In the case of crawfish, that exoskeleton may be brown or blue or red or golden or sort of mottled with all of those colors. And they've got two main body 
areas. They've got the abdomen, which is the the tail part and contains mostly muscle, and the cephalothorax, which is the torso and head part and contains mostly organs. Okay. They have two pairs of walking-only legs in the back, four, four in total, two pairs of legs with small pinchers in the front for, like, minor object manipulation and, and extra walking power, and then one pair of front legs that are capped in these big, powerful claws that they use to, to, to get stuff done. Yeah. You know, fighting, feeding, moving stuff around, you know, crawfish stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And they are assisted in these tasks by their one pair of eye stalks, two pairs of antennae, and three pairs of mouth parts. They chew their food, though, with a set of three teeth called a gastric mill. Okay. And they pee through glands located in their faces just under their antenna. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they also have four pairs of these wee little limbs along the undersides of their tails called swimmerettes that help with reproductive functions and also to circulate water to and from their gills. These things sound wild. <laughs> what is going on, crawfish? I don't know, but I love it so much. <laughs> so strange. I got the more I read about them, the more I was just giddy. I was just like, this sounds like a terrible monster thing. It really does. They're so tasty. <laughs> Uh, they, uh, and I said, I said gills, they, they will happily live their whole lives underwater. They don't need to be above water for any particular reason. They breathe through their gills, um, but they can survive in air for a decent while as long as they, their gills stay, uh, stay moist. Mm-hmm. They don't really swim, though. They can push themselves backwards uh, with, a, with a sort of undercurling thrust of their long, broad, seg- segmented tail in case of emergency. But for the most part, they just crawl along the floor of their freshwater habitats, ponds or streams or, or the shallows of rivers or lakes, foraging for food, uh, they're omnivores, avoiding predators, sometimes digging burrows, and sometimes making babies. Mm-hmm. Crawfish usually reproduce sexually. Usually. More on that more on that in a minute. Um, and then the females carry the eggs inside their bodies for a few weeks and then outside their bodies, stuck to, their, to, to the underside of their tails. The hatchlings will hang out, literally still attached to the underside of their mother's tail for another few weeks uh, through a molt or two. A molt? A molt. What? Molting. Okay, so unlike our skin and bones, which grow with us, crawfishes, exoskeletons cannot grow grow with them. Hmm. A crawfish shell is semi-flexible but pretty solid. It's made of uh, chitin and reinforced with calcium carbonate that they consume in their diets and excrete through the specialized sort of skin. When the crawfish starts getting too big for their current shell, it'll shed that exoskeleton and grow a new, bigger one for it to grow into. Right. And they can do this up to 15 times, and they generally double in size with each shed. They may eat their molted shells to regain the minerals from them. Of course. Of course. Why not? That's that's good sense. Come on. It is. (laughs) Depending on the species, they may live anywhere from a couple years to several years. And in addition to growing new shells, many crawfish will grow whole new limbs if they lose one. It's very Lovecraftian. It's a good superpower. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) Around the world, there are over 600 species of crawfish, half of which are from the U.S. and Canada. In 2009, biologists discovered a species in Tennessee that can reach the size of a lobster. They're they're kind of baffled as to how no one's ever seen it before. 
I, mm, who knows? Good burrowers. They are. Know. Yes. Yeah. Um, and here's my question, Lauren. How in the world do you eat these things? Oh, man. Uh, well, um, unlike some crustaceans, like shrimp, uh, crawfish shells are too hard for humans to eat. So you got to get them out of there. Yeah. Yeah. A crawfish are frequently cooked whole, either boiled or roasted. And once they're cooked through and, and you've taken them off the heat and gotten them to more or less the point that they're cool enough to touch, you crack them open. And there are tools that can help you with this, uh, and you might need those to get meat out of the claw section or if the crawfish is kind of on the large side and the shell is too thick to manipulate. But for most American crawfish, you're just going to use your hands to separate the two halves of, of the crawfish, that, that abdomen or tail part from that cephalothorax or the head slash torso part. What you do is you get, you get a good grip on the tail with one hand and, and the torso with your other hand. And you sort of you sort of pinch down at the right at the division in between the two sections, and it, the the sections are clear because the the torso head is smooth and hard uh, with a carapace, and the tail part is is segmented and a little bit bendier. Mm. And and then you just sort of bend, twist, and pull at the same time, and the two halves will come apart. In theory, hypothetically. Once you do so, the tail contains a sort of dense, spongy meat that, that pulls apart in threads, sort of like pulled pork, but it has a, a clean, slightly sweet, slightly earthy, briny, seafoody taste. And it's pretty easy to, to just pull it out or pick it out with a fork. Mm -hmm. The head, meanwhile, contains a sort of soupy, spongy bit of meat that's a little bit more savory and uh, gamey than the tail, and more heavily flavored. It's going to be more heavily flavored with whatever spices you've added to your boil or your roasting pan. To get the full experience, you both pick out the tail meat and suck the meat out of the torso head. It's important to suck the head. <laughs> I've heard that, Lauren. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just have, I struggle a lot. Oh, but, me, me too. Yeah. My that the crawfish boil I go to every year. I'm I'm always the one that's just failing, and everyone else <laughs> has it down. And they've eaten like a billion, and yes, you're just, and you've had like two. Yes, and like I barely got anything out of either of them, <laughs> and my hands are bleeding somehow. Oh, me too. Yes. I always cut myself. I always cut myself on the shell edges. It's we're just uh, the crawfish are winning against us, Lauren. Yeah. Though yeah. to be fair, I didn't go to a boil until I was like. 30, I think. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. So I've, I haven't had, I'm, I'm still learning. Okay. Yeah. It's a process. It is. It's a skill. <laughs> and there's time, Lauren. There's time. And aside from it being difficult, uh, some people do not eat crawfish because they are not kosher. Um, and or they object to the fact that crawfish are generally alive when they are cooked. Right. Um, they're, there is some scientific disagreement about whether crawfish and other crustaceans can feel pain and therefore whether it's cruel to cook them alive. The thing is, like, they, they don't have brains or central nervous systems. The general consensus is that it would be kinder to knock crustaceans out before cooking them, either stunning them with cold or with electric shock, or by just, just quickly removing or otherwise mechanically destroying the, 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 the ganglia or, or the nerve bundles that help these crustaceans coordinate their responses to stimuli. Mm -hmm. But it, it is physically impossible, as far as humans know, for crawfish and other crustaceans to experience the negative feedback loop 
that we do when we experience pain. Like we have a sensation of hurt and then the emotion of being upset about it, which can intensify the sensation of hurt. That's that's how human things work. <laughs> they do not have that. Anyway, hmm. if you do choose to eat them. Well, crawfish tails are relatively low calorie, low fat, um, the good source of protein with a decent amount of calcium, iron, phosphorus, and B vitamins. Mm-hmm. They are a popular food during Lent when Catholics don't eat meat on Fridays. You can find them in a lot of Cajun or Creole cuisine like étouffée and gumbo. You can also put their meat in anything that you would use lobster or shrimp for. And their shells and spare bits are really good for making stock. Mm-hmm. And I think crawfish have a have a bit of a reputation as being like dirty, you know, like, like oh, they're bottom feeders. Man. Right. Um, maybe partially because of their flavor. Um, maybe it's just classism. Maybe. But uh, but crawfish actually have a very low tolerance for for pollution. Healthy populations of crawfish are a benchmark of water quality in areas where they live, and they prefer to eat living stuff to dead stuff. Though they're pretty opportunistic, they'll eat basically whatever they can get a hold of. Sure, I thought kind of to this point. I as a kid thought crawfish was crawlfish. Crawlfish, ooh, because huh. they crawl sure. on the ground, yeah, and that therefore they might be dirty. Yeah. Um, And I think we're going to talk a a little bit more about other reasons that might be in a bit. But for now, let's look at some numbers. Crawfish numbers. Crawfish numbers. (laughs) Um, (laughs) When I think of crawfish, I think of Louisiana. Sure. Um, Most of the crawfish consumed in the U.S., which is around 90% in 2012, come from Louisiana, with more than 1,600 farmers on 111,000 acres of ponds, producing 100 million pounds, amounting to about $210 million a year for the state. Wow. Farm-raised crawfish make up 88% of U.S. commercial sales. Crawfish season is still a big deal there, both industrially and culturally. (laughs) And I will say a quick note about those numbers. I saw a lot of Differing numbers, mm-hmm. but all within that range. And that was, oh, okay. those were from the Smithsonian Magazine report on it. So I'm going to hope that those were pretty, pretty, pretty on, on, on point. Yeah. Close. Crawfish season does peak in April when the floodwaters force the crawfish out of their burrows, but it can go anywhere from November to June due to crawfish farming. And even though Louisiana crawfish, you think of Louisiana, but you can find them in Brazil, France, Spain, Portugal, Kenya, and Uganda, among other places. Oh, yeah, they've been exported uh, for to to be farmed to yes. many other places. Absolutely, and I did see a lot of these when I was in Wuhan, China. Xiaolongjia, uh, which translates to small dragon shrimp. I saw so many people on the streets with these big buckets. Oh wow! Yeah, I never tried them, but oh, um, yeah, oh, man, <laughs> I was very nervous. Like. A, I, I knew I couldn't eat them in the U.S., and I was like, I don't need to make a fool of myself in China more than I already am. <laughs> um, they first arrived to China in the 1940s. The the Louisiana. Uh, crawfish. Crawfish, yeah. Yeah, and while they are a popular foodstuff in the country, they do present a problem for some of the native fish population and important commercial plants like uh, rice and lotus. Um, farmers, knowing that the species is invasive and destructive to their rice patties, may still keep a pond full of them because they make them more money than the rice does. Ooh. And I read an uh, interview with one of the farmers that does this, and he said he would prefer – he makes more money off of crawfish, and if he could, that's all he would make his money off of. Oh, wow. As opposed to rice. Huh. 
Rice ponds are a great environment for crawfish. In Louisiana, a lot of flooded rice fields have been turned into crawfish ponds. Yeah, or some farmers will do rice one year and then crawfish the next and switch them back and forth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and in recent years, there has been some controversy over Chinese crawfish in American stores appearing under names that imply that they are from Louisiana. Ah. The Louisiana Crawfish Association claims that Chinese crawfish are treated with an antibiotic banned here in the U.S., chloramphenicol. A law passed in the U.S. in 2008 requires that when a patron asks where a crawfish comes from at a Louisiana restaurant, they have to tell you. It's called, colloquially, the ask-before-you-eat law. Ah. Yeah. Huh. Uh, But like Annie said earlier, there are species of crawfish native to lots of places around the world. North America does have the highest biodiversity of crawfish species and some of the most popular for eating. Crawfish have traditionally been on the less popular end of the seafood industry, but it is expected to grow globally in coming years. But that is the future. Yes. Let's look at the past. Let's. But first... Let's look at a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! Zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. 
And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with history. Yes. The ancient Greeks are said to have enjoyed crawfish along with a bunch of other shellfish, although the same words were often used interchangeably at the time for freshwater crawfish and saltwater lobsters of various sorts, and even sometimes for crabs. So thanks for nothing, ancient Greeks. Yeah. Um, We talked a bit about the Acadians, the ancestors of the Cajuns that came from Canada down to Louisiana in our jambalaya episode. They often get the credit for introducing crawfish to Louisiana, but the indigenous people of the region were certainly eating crawfish before they arrived. Long before. Yeah. Yeah. They used reeds baited with venison to catch them. When the Acadians arrived around 1755, they quickly discovered that the swamps and bayou that they settled near were full of these (laughs) weird-looking things. (laughs) (laughs) And thanks to their familiarity with lobster catching in Canada and their close proximity with the indigenous peoples of the region, it didn't take people long for them to become – for crawfish to become a favorite among the settlers. The first known record of commercial crawfish in the states dates back to 1800. 23,400 pounds worth about $2,140 according to this calculator I found that's about $41,000 in today's oh, wow. money. Huh. Although commercial sales didn't really start until the 1800s were coming to a close with the introduction of larger nets that made harvest easier. In 1908, with the help of technological advances and industrialization, the number of commercial crawfish reached 88,000 pounds, valued at $3,600 or over $93,000 in today's money. So that's a... Pretty big boost there. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of industrialization, commercial crawfish farming in man-made ponds got its start in the 1960s, which really upped the quality of, of crawfish production. Before then, crawfish were, were really just harvested from their native environments. And this was the first time that people were using aquaculture to farm crawfish. It was partially due to interest and partially because with the rise of mass industry, many rivers around the world became too polluted for crawfish to survive on their own. Mm-hmm. And from there, the industry only grew and is now the largest freshwater crustacean industry in the country. Before this innovation, crawfish had been deemed a poor man's food. Um, up to this point, for a lot of people, crawfish was the bait you would use to catch actual, quote, food. food. Um, But the 1960s and man-made ponds changed that. And, of course, the price rose from about 5 cents a pound to about 25 cents a pound, or around $2 in today's money. 1960 saw the first Broadbridge Crawfish Festival to celebrate Broadbridge being dubbed Crawfish Capital of the World. The festival's goal was to improve the reputation of the crawfish. And it still takes place every year to this day. A court of crawfish royalty is chosen. (laughs) The queen gets to wear this fantastic cape and wield a scepter. I've never realized how much I want to wield a scepter until doing these episodes. (laughs) USA Today listed it as one of the top ten food festivals in the U.S. So if you ever have a chance, check it out. Do so. Do so. Absolutely. A couple of years into the 60s, A.J. Judas Jr., a.k.a. The crazy Frenchman imported bags of crawfish from Brobridge to his family Port Arthur store, Judas's French Market. After he opened his second store in 1978, he served them there, too. And the main reason I wanted to touch on this is because in 1963, Judas introduced Texas to the sport of crawfish racing. I'll say it again. Crawfish racing. 
Crawfish racing. Crawfish racing. A Texas governor, no joke, appointed Judas a Texas crawfish racing commissioner. (laughs) His reasoning? To, quote, ensure that no unscrupulous characters got into the crawfish racing industry in the great state of Texas. (laughs) I apologize to everyone from Texas. (laughs) I'm really bad at southern accents, and I I can't (laughs) differentiate. I, I gave it a swing and I missed. Oh, uh, it's it's okay. I I think I think you know like the feeling was there. Yeah. Yeah, the passion. Thank you, Lauren. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> Louisianans elected their first Cajun governor, Edwin Edwards, in 1972, and his campaign slogan was Cajun Power. And the image it commonly came with was of a clenched fist, reminiscent of the Black Power fist, but in the fist was a crawfish. (laughs) Mm -hmm. About a decade later, in 1983, Louisiana became the first state to have a state crustacean, the crawfish. Five other states in this Our Glorious Union have official crustaceans. Uh, Crabs in Maryland and Oregon, shrimp in Alabama and Texas, and lobsters in Maine. I went on a serious rabbit hole about this. (laughs) I love this stuff. (laughs) It's pretty excellent and ridiculous. With even more technological innovations in the 1980s that allowed the safe shipping of live crawfish around the country, popularity of them drove up even more. Um, Paul Prudhomme, who we've mentioned a couple of times, he helped introduce this ingredient to a wider audience. Mm-hmm. And in March 2017, Louisiana Lieutenant Governor pardoned Amelie, the crawfish, saving her from boiling <laughs> at the inaugural crawfish pardoning brought to you by Zatarans. <laughs> So they're going to pardon a crawfish now, a la the turkey. Yeah, once a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's lovely. Live free, Emily. I said Emily, but I believe it's Emily. Or Emile. <laughs> Who knows? I don't French. I apologize. We, we have some more crawfish signs for you. But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So, okay, the science section on this one is about mutants and genetics gone awry and fear. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bald crawfish fear. Yeah. Here are some headlines for you. From the BBC, new crayfish that doesn't need males to mate becomes (gasps) all-powerful. From the AJC, who needs a man? All female mutant crayfish taking over the world, scientists say. From Science Magazine, an aquarium accident may have given this crayfish the DNA to take over the world. And from The Guardian, shell shock. <laughs> Why crayfish replicants are taking over. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah, we need to batten down the hatches. <laughs> Apparently. We need to take some crawfish slash crayfish protection. We need to figure some things out, Lauren. We I need an escape plan. We we do. Maybe this is maybe this is what Clone Annie is working on. Oh my gosh, she's probably behind this somehow. <laughs> oh, no. uh, okay, what what is actually going on here? <laughs> okay, well, this whole thing got started at a German pet shop in the 1990s, and I would just like to say that that sounds exactly like how a whole lot of horror movies start. <laughs> And or comic books. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. This is like a superhero origin story. It is. Or the beginning of the end of the world. I'm not comforting anyone. Nope. All right. So one of the female crayfish, and I'm probably going to start saying crayfish because that is the more popular term. That is what almost all of these articles used. Okay. Uh, One of the female crayfish in the aquarium, an ancestor of the sloth crayfish found in Florida and Georgia, mutated gaining an extra pair of chromosomes, which may or may not be the actual cause of their newfound ability to reproduce asexually. Yeah. Because they, they can reproduce asexually now. Yep. They they can. Um, this mutation allows them to reproduce without males, hundreds of eggs at once, all clones, and all of those offspring had the same mutation. Wow. In three months, one will multiply into 200 or 300. Wow. This species is known as the marbled crayfish. And again, it's like Parasite Eve. Parasite Eve comes up again. (laughs) Who knew? For a while, they were really popular in the pet business, particularly in Germany, sometimes known there as the Texas crayfish, but more commonly as of 2003, marmal crabs. 
but they would pretty rapidly overfill your aquarium, as you might guess. So people were releasing them into the wild. Oh, no. Yeah, where they spread. Don't do that. I mean, right? But then what do you do? Oh, goodness. (laughs) We have a crawfish boil like every week. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, Yeah, so they were released into the wild and they spread and spread and and. They threaten other wild species of crawfish. <laughs> in North America, you can buy marbled crayfish. This is so strange, switching back and forth. Um, apart from uh, in two states that have banned the sale of them. But you're warned against keeping them as pets, and you can't sell them at all in the European Union. They are a particular problem in Madagascar. Since they first arrived in 2007, there are now millions of them, and seven native species are threatened. For added sci-fi-edness, the ones found in the U.S. are blue, like bright blue. Bright like blueberry blue. Yeah, which it seems has to do with how much they socialize, which is excellent. Because they're blue because they have no friends. (laughs) See? Um, And another pretty great thing is that they're often compared to Star Trek's tribbles. Oh, yeah. They're like spiny clawed tribbles. Yeah. And if you're not familiar with Star Trek, can you explain what tribbles are? Oh, tribbles are these little little fuzzy puff balls about maybe like the size of a softball, Mm -hmm. um, a little bit oblonger than that, I suppose. And Uh uh, yeah, there's a whole trouble with tribbles that happens in the original Star Trek and is then revisited um, on the show Deep Space Nine, uh, where it's, it's nothing but confusing Klingon makeup and uh, miniskirts and tribbles everywhere because they also, they, they reproduce, I don't know. Very quickly. Very quickly. It's very, never, very much. I don't think it's ever made really explicitly clear if it's like a budding process. Sure. Like, like gremlins. Yes. I did see a lot of gremlins references. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, trials and tribulations. Trials, right. That's the name of the Deep mm-hmm. Space Nine episode. Right. <laughs> 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 anyway, back on track. Some scientists think the marbled crayfish could provide some insight into the development and growth of tumors. Huh. The DNA has been sequenced and everything, um, which is a first for crayfish and any of its close relatives. The process took years and was not easy. Uh, another mystery of the natural world that scientists are hoping the marbled crayfish will help solve, the reason why so many animals have sex. Huh. Asexual female cloning species only make up about 1 in 10,000 species. And the residing theory for that is that they don't last that long, um, that maybe having sex gives you, exposes you to more germs. Or well, and, and, and uh, yeah, the dif- differentiation in, in, in DNA, DNA can, yeah. yeah, help give you, um, you know, can help you evolve and give you chances at getting a good evolution. Right. Yeah. Or a good mutation, rather, sorry. Yeah. Um, and since this is a newish species, scientists are watching pretty closely to see... What's going to happen? Yeah. I also read that the mutation perhaps didn't happen in Germany at all, but in the U.S. in 1995. And from there, the owner of this mutated crayfish gave all the offspring to pet stores, some of which passed them along to Europe, and then maybe the Germany story picks up. They definitely were popular in Germany, and there's definitely a lot of references to... An aquarium in Germany. This genuinely sounds like a Michael Crichton novel. Like, I know that we were making jokes about Jurassic Park earlier, but, like... like life finds a way. Life finds a way. And, and yeah, and, like, the frogs becoming, yeah, asexual and the... Huh. Yeah, all the dinosaurs are female. Are female. Yeah, but they found a way. But they... Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, and also, <laughs> unrelated, probably. Uh, probably. Does anyone <laughs> else remember that story from about a year ago of an army of crawdads? Now I'm saying crawdads roaming the streets of New Mexico, even though there was no source of water nearby? Does anyone remember that? I had no idea what you were talking about, but you wrote it in the notes, and I went and looked it up. And, the, I mean, yeah, the news stories about it are like, are like, well, I was hanging out in my driveway, and then I noticed that a whole bunch of crawfish were strolling down the street. <laughs> and so I started putting them in buckets and putting them in the local, like, drainage ditch so that they wouldn't dry out. That's it. I mean, it was just like, like no one knows why. Mm-hmm. All these crawfish were just like down the road. But they were. Perhaps we should be taking them a little more seriously. That's all I can say. Ooh, man. Well, that is our crawfish episode, and it was so fun to research. Oh, yeah. I. It also made me really excited to do a lobster episode because lobsters are Similar, but different enough that they're super fascinating. And, yeah. I, I guess if crawfish is a kind of regionalized term, how many people were like, no, it's crayfish the whole, whole time. time? Oh, yeah. Sorry about it, folks. Yeah. I wasn't really, like I said, I wasn't really introduced to them until I came to Atlanta. And so, therefore, even though I'm from South Florida and the north, I picked up the word crawfish because that's what everyone here calls yeah. them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at least at least I haven't, like, southernized enough to the point that I'm like, crawl daddies. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. There's always time. There's always time. And then we, as you learn, once you say crawl daddies, that's when you have the method of eating them down. I bet oh, that's the natural yeah. progression. <laughs> it's the evolution of language. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Well, we look forward to that day. We do. And in the meanwhile, this brings us to listener mail. I got really confused at the end there. You did. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> got to support you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Annie. Um, okay. Paul wrote, and I posted this on Twitter, but I wanted to say it in podcast. Oh, it's real good. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, imagine my surprise when my favorite podcast talked oh, about my you. favorite medieval personality test. Humors, but I can't believe Harry Potter came up and you didn't mention that the four Hogwarts houses are aligned with the four humors. <sighs> didn't even occur to me. I know, right? So Gryffindor is sanguine, courageous, impulsive, acting before they think. Slytherin is choleric, ambitious, quick to get angry. Ravenclaws are melancholic, intelligent, quiet, and serious. And of course, Hufflepuff is phlegmatic, peaceful, reliable, and kind. It all makes sense. <laughs> did your humorous quiz line up with your Hogwarts house? Why, yes, it did, Paul. Gryffindor and Sanguine. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, he goes on, I did my master's degree in Scotland and was one of four people in my cohort. The four of us fit perfectly into the different humors. Our strengths and weaknesses lined up completely with every chart we could find. <laughs> and I think that's why the four of us got along and worked together so well. We were perfectly balanced. Ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. See, I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't, I never took that quiz. I guess I need to now. But my, I'm, I'm definitely a Hufflepuff. <laughs> I'm like 1,000% Hufflepuff all day, every day. And, uh, but I consider myself melancholic in terms of the humors. So, but I do think that the sorting hat would be like, you're a Ravenclaw. And I would be like, but cookies. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's, there's almost, um, you kind of have a dual you can have a dual thing going. Oh, sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah you, you can be like, 
I'm mostly this, but I've got this too. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. My I, I consider my official house to be Puffleclaw. Puffleclaw, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Pascal wrote, uh, and I hope that I just said your name correctly, I was just listening to the Willy Wonka episode and had some interesting backstory to share. In Roald Dahl's autobiography, Boy, he explains that part of the inspiration for the book was his time at boarding school. His school was one of those chosen by Cadbury as a sort of testing ground for new products. The boys would receive boxes of chocolate bars, along with a rubric on which to record their thoughts and suggestions for each bar. Seems like a child's dream. It does. And it does. It really does. Goodness. Yeah, that's a who that's an intense childhood I know. experience to have. That sounds great. I never had anything like that happen in my school. Oh, me neither. It's probably for the best. Mm, mm. I imagine so. Yes. And we we wanted to to again let everyone know that Lauren and I will be at the Atlanta Food and Wine. In Atlanta, as you might guess, in Midtown Atlanta. Yes. And it's taking place Thursday, May 31st through Sunday, June 3rd, 2018. If anyone is around and wants to come, say hi, potentially. Yeah, yeah. Come be be on the lookout. We'll we'll be there. We will be. Mm-hmm. We'll be trying to eat as many things as possible yes. and drink as many things as possible while m- mitigating somehow the fact that it's largely outdoors yeah. and warm yeah. as it's Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But I think we can do it. I think so. I think so. But look for look for updates on that. Um, we're very excited to go. So Yeah, yeah. And to take some of the classes that uh, – oh, or, yeah, yeah. yeah or, or go to some of the, the lectures that they have there. Mm-hmm. Very exciting stuff. Yes. So thanks to our listeners for writing in. If you would like to write in, you can do so. Our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. Or also on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at foodstuffhsw, stands for How Stuff Works, and also on Instagram at – food stuff. We hope to hear from you. Thank you, as always, to our super producer, Dylan Fagan. Who uh, hasn't tried crawfish because he had to dissect them in school and he never recovered. Yeah, I couldn't eat chicken wings for years for the same reason. Really? I was real mad about the texture. Oh. This might also be like the origin of my thing against cooking meat. Anyway, huh. You've got some things to think about, Lauren. I do. Thanks to him for all of the wonderful work he does. Thank you to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.